I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. Coronavirus. Oh, I don't even like saying it anymore. We've been talking about it now for uh, well over a year. It has upended every aspect of our lives from the way we work to the way we uh, live with our family to the way we travel to the way we seek medical care to the way we treat other illnesses. It's going to be some time before we recover. That's uh, an unfortunate thing, but we are. We are on the road to recovery in a number of different areas. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Much of that is thanks to the vaccine that uh, we're ironing out out the wrinkles, uh, but we are getting there. We have a vaccine, and we'll get distribution, and uh, we'll get the, the injections all figured out at some point, and hopefully uh, education efforts, which are yielding results already, will put at ease some of the minds that are hesitant to get this vaccine. I, I've talked to you about this a number of times in the past. I'm, I'm pro-vaccine. I'll be, when it's my turn, uh, I'll be, you know, rolling up my sleeve, uh, getting my injections. And I'd recommend the same for my family. I don't want to impose that view on you, uh, <laughs> as odd as that sounds coming through your speaker right now. Uh, but just know that there are resources out there if you have questions or doubts that there are are uh, good outlets for you to uh, get some of those questions answered. If you're still on the fence, if you want to uh, wait a while to see how things shake up, or if you are maybe more uh, so on the other extreme side of the skeptics, th- there are answers to your questions. And I'm confident that if you uh, earnestly engage those resources, uh, that you might come away with a different attitude. Anyway, that, that's beside the point. Uh, the point is that we are on our way towards recovery. I, I truly believe that. But that is not to say that we are currently recovered. There are still challenges that we face. And each and every day we learn that there are uh, new and even more devastating challenges uh, than we were even aware of just yesterday. To discuss one of those uh, challenges, specifically mental health in children, uh, I welcome back to the program good friend of the show, Dr. Marion Bishop, an emergency room doctor who joins us now. Uh, Dr. Bishop, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much. It's nice to be back. Yeah. Oh, on that on that topic of vaccines, you not that long ago uh, wrote a wonderful guest opinion piece, which was published in the Deseret News. I've shared that on my Facebook page, and I would invite anyone to go uh, and give that a read. It's titled "I'm an ER doctor. I've seen vaccines 
save lives. So let me just uh, thank you for writing that uh, and let folks know if they'd like to, to read it, they can find it obviously at Deseret.com, but also my Facebook page, Lee Lonsberry, with the little live mic logo up in the corner. Thank you, Doctor. No, oh, thank you. Thanks for the mention. And it's it's such an important topic. I appreciate you bringing it up. Certainly. All right. Uh, well, what you and I are here today to talk about, though, has to do with uh, children, children seeking help and the unique stresses under which they find themselves. What have you observed and witnessed in the ER setting uh, with regard to, to these challenges? So the pandemic has been hard on everyone. Uh, and in emergency rooms, we've seen an increase in the use of emergency rooms for mental health issues um, from kind of from everyone, from uh, adults right down to children. Um, we've seen increased substance abuse. Um, sometimes families and kids have food insecurity. We've seen increased depression, increased anxiety. There really is kind of no part of the the society that the challenges of COVID haven't affected. When they are presenting to the emergency room, what are you observing? What what brings them to the emergency room? Well, the first thing I would do is just try and give a little public service announcement to say that if anyone is feeling suicidal or simply despairing or feeling like they need help with mental health issues, emergency rooms are always safe places to go. There will be someone there 24 hours a day who can help you um, you'll get a phys- not just a physical evaluation, but you'll see a mental health professional. That's something that every emergency room in the country, and particularly our state, I think, is really good at doing that. You'll some, sometimes that becomes an evaluation uh, for support. Sometimes someone might need to be put in the hospital for a while. But wherever you're at, any emergency room can meet you. So don't stay at home in despair if uh, if you are feeling particularly blue. But that being said, we have seen a, a, a lot of, of people come in. Often kids uh, miss their friends. They miss the social interaction that they have at school. They miss the support of kind teachers. Um, the, you know, We've kind of kept a lot of kids at home or changed their schedules at a time when developmentally they need that interaction with peers and also with other adults, and so it's hard on them. And sometimes that turns into despair, sometimes that turns into depression and anxiety, or, or just having a harder time kind of coping with day-to-day life with, in this new setting. And, and it's not just a question of, hey, kid, toughen up. The, the, the challenge that they face uh, may, and often does, as you've witnessed, lead them to the emergency room. Yes. And, you know, if you think about it this way, plenty of us who are, you know, kind of stress-hardy and used to not having mental health issues have probably had more difficult days now than we ever have had or are accustomed to having because of COVID. It's just really hard. And the same is true for children. And you, the, the kinds of isolation and, you know, sometimes worry about parents or family members who are sick. Some children have lost family members to COVID. Like, like these aren't the kinds of things you can just kind of pull yourself up from your bootstraps about. Yeah. Often it's really important and appropriate to seek help. The, the uptick that you've seen, are these people, uh, both adults and children, are these people who are interacting with, uh, you know, medical care for the first time uh, addressing their mental health challenges, do you think? Yes, we've seen a lot of people for whom... Um, you know, I think may never have ended up in the ER because of COVID. And that's nothing to be ashamed of. You know, as I said, this is a, this is a, a societal thing that we're all going through that is 
you know, really larger than any challenge most of any of us have yet faced in our lifetimes. And, you know, if someone's worried about a job or if your parent just lost a job or if someone has been sick, you know, these are the kinds of stressors that can make things hard for, you know, even folks who haven't encountered mental health issues before. The, the Utah Department of Health here this morning released a new report, and the, the top-line message is a claim that there have been no increase in suicides or drug overdoses uh, or, or uh, mental distress in Utah during the pandemic. How, how, does that, how does that reconcile with what you're observing? So I haven't seen that, and that makes me really happy. And that just tells me that we're doing our job. Yeah. Um, and, and that mental health care providers all over the state are doing their job and that teachers are doing their job, reaching out to students, trying to give them, you know, support and help. Because we've certainly seen, you know, an increase of folks in the ER um, complaining about, and that's the wrong word, kind of describing and suffering from stresses associated with the pandemic. And so if there hasn't been an actual uptick in completed suicide, that tells me that everyone who's trying to provide people with support is, is being successful at it. That, that, that's the good news in all this. Sure. We're, we're taking care of each other pretty well. In the executive summary, it reads that public health experts believe the state's existing mental health resources may be an integral reason why suicides and drug overdoses have not increased. You, you mentioned those robust services yourself. Yeah, and, and that's part of what I was saying. You know, in any emergency room in the state, you can walk in 24 hours a day and someone will meet you where you're at and figure out what resources you need and try and help provide them. And I, I know later you're going to talk with a crisis counselor that I work who's just a remarkable uh, and talented individual who's helped lots and lots of folks even before the pandemic. And then I know that school counselors have been reaching out to children, you know, via Zoom. Um, I know church leaders have been reaching out to kids to try and help them feel less isolated. Like there, there are ways in which we can all be part of the solution. And that those statistics encourage me that we're doing a good job. Very good. Uh, listen, Dr. Bishop, I, I wish we could continue this conversation. It's always a treat to speak with you. I thank you for your service in the emergency room and beyond and for spending time with us here on the program. Dr. Marion Bishop, ER doctor, my guest today. Thank you. Thank you so much. All righty. We are going to take a quick break. And like the doctor mentioned, coming up after the news, uh, we're going to be speaking with Chuck Sharp, a counselor uh, at Clinical Mental Health who has seen it all who has counseled those who find themselves in exactly the situations Dr. Bishop has seen in the emergency room. We're going to learn from uh, the counselor what type of people are showing up and how can counselors help, and before that even, what kind of help is available at home. That's up next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike, this Thursday episode of the program. 1.39 is the time here in the KSL Newsroom. Here as we broadcast episode number 267. Uh, let me just first say, I, I know that talking about mental health, and in particular the mental health of children, how it's been challenged during the coronavirus pandemic, uh, it's not the most exciting topic. But I'll tell you what, it may be one of the most important topics. Certainly, certainly in the lives of these young people across this great state who, uh, you know, they've got... Uh, new and developing minds. They haven't lived the length of life that you have. They haven't faced the challenges and the refining fire that you have passed through in your longer life. These young people, they're still uh, gathering up life experiences, figuring out how to react to the challenges that life throws at them. And right now, in the midst of what we are continuing to endure, 
the reality is uh, many of them are having a tough time. And it's more than just missing out on time spent with friends in the classroom because, well, we know many, many young people are back in the classroom. In fact, uh, I think here on the, in the next few weeks, almost every student in the state of Utah will have the ability to, uh, to get some sort of face-to-face instruction and maybe even some interaction with classmates. But that's not all that weighs on the minds of these young people. No, uh, they're, not, they're, they're not deaf to what is happening around the world around this country, they know that we are all together facing something pretty challenging, and they pick up on the anxiety that comes with that. They pick up on the anxiety that's experienced by their parents. You know, I've got this young baby. She's uh, not quite two years old yet herself, but uh, I can I can tell when she kind of picks up on the anxiety I bring into the house. You know, I try to mitigate that, but, uh, you know, kids, they, they get this stuff, and they feel it. And counselors have seen it face-to-face. Joining us now to discuss this, uh, clinical mental health counselor Chuck Sharp joins us on the line, a licensed professional counselor. Chuck, uh, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm good, Lee. Thanks for having me, and uh, I hope everyone's doing well. Yeah, absolutely. And you're in that business. You're in the business of uh, making sure people are doing well. Talk to me about what you've seen, uh, particularly over last year and, and now into this year as we continue to battle the pandemic. All right. To just give you a little background, I've been uh, in the field of mental health for about 37, 38 years. My practice right now is comprised of just working in the emergency department 24-7, 365 for a rural community in Brigham City, Utah. And I work in the emergency department there. So what I see is I see anyone who comes in with any type of psychological issue into the emergency department. And if you could generalize, what is it that you're seeing more often than not? Well, during the pandemic, we've been seeing a dramatic increase of people, and I I was happy to hear today when the health department put out that that we haven't seen any more uh, increase in suicides or in overdoses, but I can tell you that we have seen a dramatic increase of the number of contacts that we've had from individuals in the emergency department. And what are those contacts like? What, what, uh, What are people presenting with? Um, we see a range of people. So we see young people that are presenting with all kinds of issues, having to deal with uh, their social contacts. We see old people who are concerned and worried about the pandemic. Uh, we see individuals who have overdosed. We see individuals who have who have tried to commit suicide, individuals who come in who are just depressed and worried about things and wondering where to turn. Focusing on the young people, when uh, when the children come in and you sit down with them and evaluate their experience, of course, uh, you know, protecting all identities. But what what are the conversations like that you have with the young people? Most of the convers most of the conversations that I have with young people have to do with their lack of social contacts. And in psychology, you know, there's a principle called contact comfort, and it's like a lot of research has been done on it that uh, the the touch and our interaction, our social interactions are important with young people. In fact, most of their personality development happens at a very, very young age. So this lack of social contact and this distancing does have a dramatic impact on children. Is there any replicating it? Is there any of these Zoom meetings or video conferencing or phone calls or whatever that uh, that can come even close to replicating the, the, the face-to-face interactions amongst young people? 
I think all of those things are helpful, but I personally don't believe that anything replicates the contact comfort that children have. And that's why I think it's really important that parents and providers become aware of that, the schools become aware of that, uh, that everyone tries to develop as many opportunities for that social contact as possible within the boundaries of what's safe and what typical things that we can do. I mean, we're already going into a second year of these school-aged children. Last year, the seniors didn't even get to have graduation, and this year already it's like their activities are dramatically reduced. And when you see small children, you know that most of their personality development happens at a young, young age. I don't even think we've started to consider what impact that's going to have in the long term when you talk about how personality traits are things that children carry into their adulthood and during their life. That's my next and final question. And again, we're speaking with uh, Chuck Sharp, clinical mental health counselor. Uh, Chuck, as this generation grows and as we you know, someday get this pandemic behind us, will there forever be a generation of scarred uh, Americans? I think there will be difficulties for people throughout their entire lifetime. We know that their personality develops into their adulthood. And when most of the characteristics of their personality are starting to be developed and formed and formulated during their youth through their social contacts and their activities and their interactions with other people, I believe there's going to be an impact on that into, into their future. Mm-hmm. Well. Uh, hopefully, thanks to the good work like or from folks like you, uh, we can mitigate that. And, and hopefully the young people of today are the strong people of tomorrow. Uh, Chuck Sharp, thank you so much. Again, clinical mental health counselor speaking with us today about the mental impact in particular on children and adolescents as we continue to battle the coronavirus. Thanks again, sir. Thank you, Lee. All righty. We're going to take a break. When we return, you've heard mentioned a few times uh, during these last two conversations with uh, Mr. Sharp and Dr. Bishop that the state, specifically the Utah Department of Health, has released a study which claims that there have been no significant increases in suicides, mental distress, or drug overdose at this point in the pandemic. We're going to take a break, and when we return, I want to dive into that study. I want to dive into those claims. I want to share some of uh, what the state is saying with you next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike, final segment of the one o'clock hour here on KSL News Radio. I don't often dedicate 45 minutes to a, a single topic, as you have become familiar with this program over the past year. We've been spending these afternoons together. You know, I try to move through them pretty quickly. And that the rundown, you know the rundown? It's that paper we prepare each day that has a list of all the topics we're going to cover, plus some notes and the names of guests and all that. Uh, Typically, each and every slot has some kind of new story in there. Uh, I I like moving quickly. I like covering a lot of ground. Every once in a while, though, a topic comes up that absolutely demands our attention. And it may not be the most exciting topic, and it may not be the most feel-good topic, but but when it comes to importance and gravity and quite literally the saving of lives, uh, sometimes uh, you got to spend a little extra time on something. There was an article that uh, producer Amy and I were passing around uh, back and forth not that long ago, and it looked at uh, the state of the nation, specifically the state of mental health amongst young people. School-aged children have been experiencing a dramatic uptick in uh, mental distress, if you will. Some have been harming themselves. 
And we, over the past uh, half hour, have spoken with some medical professionals, an emergency room doctor who lets it be known that she, uh, here in Utah, has witnessed a dramatic uptick in young people who are seeking help. Uh, Those claims backed up by a clinical mental health counselor, gentleman Chuck Sharp, who just uh, before the break had a conversation with us and said that in his 37 years of practice in this field that he has not seen levels like this uh, ever. Where does it come from? Why is it the case? Well, (laughs) young people are social creatures. I was once young. And gosh darn it, I was a social creature. And I can remember the times I either got grounded or uh, didn't have money to go out to the movies and or whatever the case was where I was left on a weekend evening uh, alone. That bugged me. Or how about the days where uh, you came down with some kind of bug that uh, precluded you from going to school? Those were tough days sitting on the uh, sitting on the couch with only Bob Barker and The Price is Right to keep me company. I, I remember the sting of missing out. FOMO, we call it today. But I remember that. And you compound that and amplify that by a day-after-day separation from those with whom you are growing old with and a day-after-day reminder that, you know, we're not exactly sure when this is going to come to an end. And if you look at all (laughs) all the things that young people have missed out on, graduation last year, you heard Mr. Sharp talk about graduations being called off. Sports. Yeah, they're all coming back, kind of, but they're all like, you know, not like 2019, (laughs) we'll say. You know, you're not uh, hugging and high-fiving your friends like you were. And as simple and as almost flippant as that sounds, hugging and high-fiving, those end up being huge things. Huge things. I can remember some tough times when I was growing up. Real tough times. My, My parents split up when I was in junior high. And, you know, I, I was I was the older brother, I had three younger sisters. And so I didn't I didn't talk much about uh, about that. I just kind of looked after uh, the younger girls. But there were a few times where I in school and I can remember this very vividly. Uh, my my math teacher, uh, Mr. Coates, he was colorblind. Uh, good guy. Uh, I remember once he uh, kind of pulled me aside and I will never forget. Uh, he simply patted me on the shoulder and I can I can still feel it. On my right shoulder. I can feel that pat. Uh, where he said, "Hey, listen, if uh, if you're if you got to talk about anything, you can you let me know." And then my buddy Tim kind of said something similar as I walked out of the math class that day, because maybe you could see it on my face or something. Now I, I made it through relatively well, um, but the reason I share that little brief story there is that. I remember the contact. I remember the the goodness that I felt in making it through that that trying time. And that just brief momentary pat on the shoulder and that brief, brief word shared with me by a math teacher and then by my friend down the hall very well may have gotten me through it. And I worry that uh, young people may not be having those same opportunities today. So however you can replicate it, however uh, you can take care of the young people around you, do what you can. Uh, Mr. Sharp, again, that clinical mental health counselor, he says, uh, while they're not perfect replicas of uh, you know face-to-face interaction, you can get somewhere with the Zoom meetings. You can get somewhere with the phone calls and the video conferencing. All right. Uh, I've rambled on for long enough. I want to talk to you right now about uh, an encouraging study 
And you heard both from Dr. Bishop and Mr. Sharp that these are encouraging assertions right now being made by the Utah Department of Health. I only have a few minutes to go through the details with you, but I'm going to do so and try to make the most of it. What I would do also is invite you to make your way to kslnewsradio.com. On there right now, you're going to see a fantastic write-up by a colleague of mine, Colby Walker. The headline, Utah Department of Health report, no increase in suicides or overdoses during pandemic. No increase in suicides or overdoses during pandemic. KSLnewsradio.com. Check this out. On there, you'll be able to read not only uh, the write-up, the breaking down of the different details, but you can read the full report yourself. Where the Utah Department of Health claims that there have been no significant increases. And I I mentioned suicides and drug overdoses. They also claim there has been no significant increase in mental distress at this point during the pandemic. Now, how does that jive with the uh, assertions made by Dr. Bishop and Mr. Sharp, who have been firsthand witnesses to upticks in individuals, in in particular young individuals, seeking this type of health? How can both things be true? Well, in, in the report, reference is made to the services that are available to Utahns. References made to the existing mental health and substance use resources uh, and crediting those for being an integral reason why suicides and drug overdoses have not increased. When folks need help, they have access to it. The emergency room is one such place. Dr. Bishop says that she has seen countless individuals, not just young people, but young and old, coming to the emergency room in mental distress. So for whatever it's worth, if you're listening right now and there's some kind of anxiety that's weighing on you to such a degree that you feel you might be a danger to yourself or others, you've got options. Here in the state of Utah, as asserted in this study and confirmed by Dr. Bishop, there are existing resources for you, mental health resources, as well as substance abuse resources. Show up at the ER, you'll be taken care of. Or... As you well know, Utah has a crisis line. We talk about that often. I'll share that number now. It's 1-800-273-8255. The Utah crisis line, 1-800-273-8255. You call that number on the other end will be a professional uh, that can talk you through whatever you're experiencing right now. They've got experience, they've got know-how, and they're waiting for your call if you need to make it. All right? KSLnewsradio.com is the website. I want you to go there and have a look at this write-up about the Utah Department of Health report. This doesn't mean that these times aren't trying. This doesn't mean that we are out of the woods. This doesn't mean that there really isn't reason to worry or be stressed or feel anxiety. All those things are true. There's plenty of reason to be anxious these days. What this report does communicate to me is that there are resources available to help you before things get too far down the road. 1-800-273-8255, Utah Crisis Line. Call it if you need it. Quick break. When we come back, the top two stories at 2 o'clock here on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? 
Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.